right, here we are, another episode of That Record Got Me High. Episode 16, I believe. That's what Barry says. <laughs> uh, that's Rob Elba. <laughs> that's Barry Stock. And uh, we are going to be discussing tonight the uh, Breakthrough Record by um, an influential rock band from England that probably had more of an effect on sort of underground and punk rock. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they did sort of, although uh, that's not true, though. I, we'll get into why it's not true, because they contributed a member to a big-time oh, yes, rock band. And and the band is, Barry, we haven't mentioned them yet? Yes, it's Matha Hoople. Matha Hoople, and, and the record All the Young Dudes. All the Young Dudes, which is uh, um, quite an um, assemblage of songs and... Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I was thinking about Mata Hoople because, yeah, they were definitely a band that were a cult band. This yeah. was their fifth album, actually, but right. this was their breakout. So, they, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. And um, because in the 60s and 70s, that would have been really unheard. Like, by five albums, you were pretty much toast. In fact, they right. were going to be toast. But I, I think it was the thing, you know, I was thinking of a band that they reminded me of. And you know who I came up with? They were kind of like the British version, in a way, of the New York Dolls. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Because the because the New York Dolls were never really were that um, commercially successful no. or popular, but they no. were this cult band that, that all these bands and, and a lot of other people ended Had up becoming influence. more successful. Yeah, that loved the New York Dolls and yes. Mata Hoople, the same thing. They were this band that all these uh, rocker people just like really liked yeah. and really got into, but they never broke through. And no. and the so at this point, um, it's so funny because David Bowie, Barry's cat was coming in. He's uh, being part of the uh, part yeah, of the he's podcast. Gonna, he's going to contribute his he's stuff. He's fine. Feelings. He's so quiet. We don't hear him. Oh, not yeah. Just don't <laughs> jinx it. Don't talk about the cat being quiet and start meowing incessantly. Uh, all right. So David the, Bowie the, yeah, okay. was a huge Mata Hoople fan. Right. And he heard wind that they were going to break up. Right. Because they put out four, four records. They put out their first album, which is really great. Their first record is um is uh, just a wild... Uh, just rock and roll, a balls out affair from right. like 69, I think. And then they put out Match Shadows, right, which is really weird and kind of bizarre. Yes. <laughs> I did. I, I revisited all the early stuff, and it is yeah. really good. There's a lot of good stuff there, but it is weird. It's like sort of all, all over the place. Kind of, yeah, Match Shadows is kind of the one that just it didn't, you know, it's kind of second album blues, I guess. Right, right. And then uh, Brain Capers, which is great. And I, and, Brain Capers, I you know when I think about why that record maybe didn't do as well, it's because the cover, it's got, <laughs> it's just got kind of a goofy cover that doesn't doesn't you don't go oh I'm gonna listen to this. What's the Brain Capers? It's got a cover drawing. It's like a red with a, like a white oh, drawing, right, like right, a line right, drawing, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know it's fine, but. It didn't have that. It doesn't feel like an early '70s cover where you go, "Oh, well, you know, right. this, I'm going to listen to this, and this right. is going to be great." Right. So, um, yeah. So they. So basically, Bowie was such a big fan. He goes, "No, yeah. you guys can't break up. Right. I'm going to. I'm going to produce a, a record for you, and I'm going right. to give you guys a song." And originally, right. <laughs> did you see? Originally, he, yeah. he was going to give them Suffragette, Suffragette City, City. And they were like, "That's not good enough." <laughs> I'm like, so, damn. This, but he does. He gives them this amazing song. Right. He which, said he sat down and wrote in like, he's just like, I guess he wrote it very quickly and sat down on the floor and played it for Ian Hunter. And he was, I guess he was like. Right. That's, yeah, that, okay. That'll work. That'll, that'll do. do. That'll do. <laughs> 
And and it's funny because it sort of became known as sort of the the glam rock anthem, but but Bowie later on said that he really didn't mean it for that. No. It was sort of right. along the uh, the lines of uh, five years, yeah, uh, because it was sort of an yeah. apocalyptic like it warning was. type yeah. song. Yep. But um, but everyone grabbed onto uh, some of the imagery in the song, which was yeah. More well, there's the glam definitely stuff. some yeah. There's definitely some uh, um, there's some imagery that would fit with Bowie at the time, you know, the right. ambiguous sexuality. Yeah, and yeah, which was a big thing with the, and and the 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 thing about Mata Hoople was they really played on the fact that they had long hair, which I guess back then still the long hair was <laughs> right. was a scandalous yeah, thing. Right. It wasn't like when you think about, about it. it. Yeah, guy yeah, with the, long hair on this record. Yeah. The Beatles they said had long hair and their hair wasn't long. Yeah, yeah. It was just like a little, little longer yeah. than normal. Yeah. But these guys had full flowing long hair yeah. and they dressed flamboyantly, but they were yeah. these this these were just like heterosexual guys. Do, these oh, were just do you get no guys, doubt never no right. doubt from the lyrics. Like, oh yeah. There's a yeah. couple of you know, besides all the young dudes. Borderline misogynistic things There's going that. on there yeah. but 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 that's an, yeah. another thing about Mata Hoople is Ian Hunter just something about his voice and his style and the way he delivers it he's got he first of all it, it's funny because when you read um uh reviews of the band some a lot of times they mention the fact that he really can't sing he's not much of a singer yeah, and everything to... and uh, technically maybe but he's got this Every man rasp of a voice, but he's got this wry. Well, he's a better delivery. singer than Bob Dylan, who is his hero. Yeah, yeah, right, right. He's technically, he's a better singer than. Well, Dylan. Well, technically, me and you are both better singers, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. But we're right. not Bob Dylan. No, we're not. No, and neither is Ian Hunter. Right. But, um, exactly. That's true. <laughs> so it's funny. Did you uh, did you read that originally? They were, they were formed in 1966, and they were called the Doc Thomas Group. <laughs> that was the original name, oh the Doc God. Thomas group, and um, and when Ian became the singer, that's when they were christened. They changed it to Mata Hoople, and it's taken from a novel called Mata Hoople, right? Which, which is, is a, a comic book novel, right? And it's it's really hard to find. I was you know I go search stuff out, and I, I'm not going to pay like eleven bucks to get a PDF version <laughs> off Amazon, no, of course not. But I couldn't find a version. It's fairly obscure, right? It's about in. Eccentric uh, who works in a circus freak show, apparently. Exactly, yeah. And <laughs> I Hoople. guess that sort of fit with their their thing. But it's funny because he replaced, there, there was this another singer in the band and they right. weren't feeling the singer. So Ian Hunter came in as the singer and the singer guy ended up becoming their manager, yeah. like their road Which, manager. Yeah, he, that's right. He worked out, hey, we got it. We got it. Don't, don't, don't go. Wait, wait. We wait. got a spot for we you. We got a spot for you. We <laughs> but, do. But he, to me, he is the magic, the special sauce in the band just because. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, without I mean, without Ian Hunter, it's it's a it's a it's a really good rock band, band right? right who with, David Bowie wrote a great song yeah, for, and had some other Ian really Hunter, good songs. Without Ian Hunter, he wouldn't have written the song. It's just right, sort of right, a, um, right. he's the uh, uh, he's the character that makes that band something. Although there's uh, you know the bass player is kind of a character too. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's, he's like six foot, you know, like eight <laughs> feet tall, and. Um, but he's the uh, he's the um, and he's the sunglasses, right? So he's right, got this right. care, and they talk about and in the bio. I remember reading about that when he he started wearing the sunglasses, and that became a signature 
uh, of his uh, appearance was. Oh, yeah. Those uh, Well, they played anything shades. that they became known for, they sort of played it up oh, even yeah. more. They, they played did. all that up. So, yeah. um, and, and you just got to say, you can't say enough about how amazing is David Bowie that he could just take a band that he likes yeah, and, and say, write okay. them a great song and save their career. And they ended up go. having this massive career after that. I mean, that was still their, their big hit. I think that was probably their biggest hit, but they still they yeah. had some great albums oh, after oh, that. They do. There's two albums after this that are really fantastic. Uh, uh, Mott and The Hoople, which are the next right. two records. Yes, right, right. But All the Way from Memphis so is, is, uh, all, is one of the great rock and roll songs that of all time. That is great. It's a great song. It is. A yeah. uh, story of a lost guitar and the feeling of the, and the <laughs> feelings of shame. That song has some words in it that you cannot use anymore. Oh, right, uh, right. You know yeah, that's right. About. Yes, I do. We're not going to even talk about yeah, what well, those words that's are. That's not on this record, so that's fine. <laughs> um, and did you read another interesting thing was that um, speculation has uh, persisted over the years that although uh, – because they had, uh, this was released on a – on a different label, they were they were on Island Records oh, yeah. and they were getting dropped by Island. Right. So this was uh, all the young dudes came out on CBS Columbia. Yeah, but speculation was that they actually, been... when they recorded it, they were still technically yeah. with Island, and this yeah. became a, a hit. And then Ian Hunter once even said that uh, when they that they completed it pretty much before the band actually left Island Records, and that Chris. Blackwell didn't know about it. He didn't know the band had a new record that David Bowie wrote this great song ready to release. Right. And uh, they were obviously done with they wanted to move on. Yeah, I think I think or they would have told him and said, hey, we got Bowie to do this song. They must have been said, you know, okay, and the label's not going to. I will tell you, when I read this about Allen Records and Chris Blackwell, I couldn't believe that Chris Blackwell was around that long because I myself had had a sort of run in with Chris Blackwell. He's in been my life, for a long time, and I didn't know he was back that long. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. just real quick, I will tell you because it's kind of amusing. Uh, right. In the '90s, my band, the Holy Terrors, um, there was a, a guy down here, um, a Joe Galdo, a really, really cool, nice guy that used to. I think he played. He was a drummer. I think he played in the Miami Sound Machine for a while oh, or something. Okay, yeah. But he was a drummer, a producer. But he liked he liked my band, the Holy Terrors, and he liked a couple other local bands, the the Goods, Jim and John yeah, Camacho's right. band, the Goods, and Diane Ward. Oh yeah. So he said, and he was um, he had an affiliation with Chris Blackwell at the time. Ah. So he set up a showcase for Chris Blackwell nice. of my band, uh, the Goods, and Diane Ward. We were That's doing awesome. it at this place, Washington Square. Well, it's that awesome, but the story right. is not. Okay. Just, right. <laughs> so all right, so it was this hold thing. On, hold that thought. At this club on South Beach called. Um, Washington Square, which was a really great rock club. All right, so we had the showcase. It was uh, Chris Black was going to be there, and it was like a last minute show. But the, but you know, people heard about it, so there was a lot sure. of people there, and it was great. And we we like drew straws to see who would play when, and we got the <laughs> That's last. Nice, yeah. And, and we got the last slot. And the whole thing was we had to do the show, and we had to get everyone had to play like twenty minutes because Chris Blackwell had a plane to catch, so yeah. we had to leave. Mm-hmm. So of course. Uh, I forget Diane played and the goods played and of course they played a little longer than they should. Yeah. So of course time's like ticking and it's tick, like, tick, oh wait, tick, we still got to play, whatever. So we yeah. played, but it's fine. He was there. But by the time we were done, we did our little set and he was, he was gone. We were done. He, Chris was gone already. He got his playing, whatever. So yeah. that's it. And then nothing, no one hears anything. No, and then no, like no. days go by and we're like wondering, you know, okay. what's going on? What happened? And finally, uh, our bass player Todd Define finally talked to Joe Galdo and he, and to get his what happened with yeah, Chris right. Blackwell and this was hey who's getting signed it got yeah and and <laughs> this is what I this is what I got related to me um, Joe said yeah Chris really really didn't feel really didn't feel any of the band wasn't feeling it but he really didn't like Rob <laughs> really <laughs> yes. wow. 
So I get that. That's what sort I of got. a notch in your belt. I gotta say. I guess he when really, really didn't like. He actively really hates you. didn't. Yeah, he he didn't get the other the bands and everything didn't catch him, but he really didn't like wow. me specifically. So that's okay, Chris Blackwell. Well, <laughs> that is yeah. I, I got to give you props for that because because it goes one way or the other. They really love you, or if they if they bother to mention. What an, that they hated right, you. Right, right. It's like, okay, and you don't even know why. Well, I, I might because I may have made Mouth a funny off. thing. Well, U2 was the big thing oh, then, and they were shit. coming out, and I, I made some crack about Bono or something, a U2 thing, something. Yeah, there we go. And so it could have been as simple there's as that. There's your, yeah, there's your answer. Right. So, <clears throat> well... I do not have any Chris Blackwell stories, so I suppose that we <laughs> oh, should. Oh, okay, one ahead. other thing, real quick. I just thought of uh, the band is also mentioned in three in three songs, like pretty popular songs. Mata Hoople. I were oh yeah, I remember reading about They're that. They're in but a I Queen. Uh, the Queen song "Now I'm Here" has the line "Down in the city, just." Hoople and me <laughs> down in the city, just Hoople and me. Yeah, which I never. I well, remember Queen opened for them. They were, and year. they were right, and they were big fans too. Queen yeah. were big Mata Hoople fans. So right. it's funny. I remember I was a big Queen fan. I remember hearing that song, and I never knew what they meant. Down <laughs> right. in the city, now just Hoople know. and me. And then uh, I, I never put yep. it together. And there was a band called Reunion in, in 1974. They had a single called Life Is a Rock. Remember that Life Is a mm. Rock, uh, but the radio rolled me. Oh my God, Life yeah. Is. And yeah, yeah. it was one of these songs where he named a. B- bunch of bands and it begins with bb bumble and the stingers Mata hoople ray charles singer <laughs> and i will tell you i had this single and oh at gosh. one point i could recite all, all the, the whole it. thing I, I memorized the whole thing it was a really like it was one of a novelty kind of like a novelty record. oh yeah i wrote the 70s <laughs> susan and i were watching some um a, a reel of on youtube a reel of television children's television toy ads and 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 cartoon uh, show intros from the 70s, 60s oh, okay. and 70s. Nice, nice. It's like two nights ago we were watching it. And I got, we got, I shut it off about 20 minutes in and I said to her, no wonder we're so fucked up. Oh, I know, right? It's This true. is the most, <laughs> was, there's, this is, this is like, this is nothing to, it's total vacuous yeah, bullshit. Yeah, vapid, there's nothing to vacuous, it, nothing. And, yeah, and we loved it. We ate we that did, stuff or, up or for a while. Or we didn't know the difference. We didn't know. What did we know? But All I, right, and yeah. then the, the third song is R.E.M.'s Man on the Moon. Has uh, it begins with uh, Mata Hoople and the game of life? Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that what he's saying? The first line, Mata Hoople and the I game of I life. I don't know what I thought he was saying on that. Right. So um, that's that's kind of cool that their name checked in three. Andy like, Kaufman gone wrestling. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. So and, there you go. A little yeah. bit of Mata Hoople trivia. All right, so the they band, have a lot of fans in the rock yeah. higher echelons of rock. Exactly. Exactly. They had a lot of got a lot of respect right. because they didn't. They, they didn't sell out. They just were these guys from Northern England who had this attitude. Right, right. A lot of it's about the attitude and the swagger that they had. Yeah, yeah. that just sort but of it's set sort them of apart. a tongue in cheek swagger. Too. To- totally tongue in cheek. It yeah, is. They it know. is. Which is why once. All right, let's get to the record yeah, because right, some okay, songs don't sort of fit. It's true. Because, that is true. Uh, and because of that, I feel because of that reason. But right. Um, all right, so real quick, we got the band is Ian Hunter, of course, lead, uh, vocals, lead vocals, guitar, and, guitar piano. and piano. We got Mick Ralphs, right? Who's the lead guitar, backing vocals, and lead vocal on "Ready, Ready for, for Love," <laughs> which, which will appear. Yeah, a huge bad company it, hit. It did. Verdon Allen, which is organ uh, and backing vocals, and also lead vocals on a song, which is we're going to talk about. Round. <laughs> 
Treading on soft ground at Spinal Tap. Anthem. Yes, yes. <laughs> Very much so. Uh, Pete over and watch, you were talking foot about. Tall, the monster, player. yeah, monster with, bass uh, player. Um, thigh high boots. Right. And, and Dale Buffin, Buffin Griffin, <laughs> Griffin on, drums. on drums. And then, of course, on this record, uh, this record, we got Mick Ronson did strings. Brass and the arrangement on right. Sea Diver, which and is eventually a, he ended up playing for a while. Yeah, with, yeah, he uh, did. Hoople, but, and with Ian Hunter, and like, with uh, Ian, with yeah, Ian. yeah, he was uh, a guy named Buddy. <laughs> Buddy, I took down all the names. Buddy Bowerla, Bowerla on pan flute, which is in there somewhere. <laughs> Mike Walls, another guy who plays. There must have been two organs on something. Jeff right. Hanover on vibra slap. Oh, nice. And then David Bowie. That's saxophones. Right. Backing vocals and vocals on bonus track five, and that's and it's great, man. When you when you whenever when he's when he's doing backing vocals, you know right away it just bada bing bada boom. Yeah, it just it lifts whatever it is. It lifts it up to another level. Yep, it's like there he is. That's it. Which is I get up real quickly. uh, That happens on with Brian Eno sings background on Talking Heads records too. There's oh really he's on Remain in Light a lot, and so you'll all of a sudden you'll be like wow. That sounds really good. Oh, it's Eno. Yeah, so we'll do an Eno record eventually. Okay, cool. So the first song on the record... Is a cover. Which is so (laughs) weird. I know, it's so... so Only in the 70s they do stuff like this. Sweet Jane. Well, they they did some other covers too, but this one, Starting the Record... Right, Starting the Record was the Lou Reed song, Sweet Jane, which is... It's not that far removed from when it was on... Because it was on Loaded... Right, it was on the, the Loaded album. And it's funny because... The original loaded, uh, which I didn't realize this, that the original loaded version of this didn't have that that bridge part, that part that sort yeah. of changes the song right. where it goes. Sweet wine, wine and roses, rose. right? The part that they never do live, and then right. They just... So the, that didn't have it. So the, and they do it. That's how they do it on here. They do it with just straight the through, straight yeah, yeah. through, like a straight rock song, and and it's a great song. So this is like a song that's yeah. almost hard to do a bad version and of the, it. The funny is the opening notes, the opening guitar part on the album and of this song. I don't. I always wonder how much of Ian Hunter's guitar is actually on the records, right? Because it's sort of the rhythm guitarish at the beginning. There's kind of a. It's kind. It's a almost a little bit clunky the first couple right. of chords, right? And I go, I bet that's Ian Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. You're probably and, right. Uh, so uh, yeah, so that's the opener, and it's just a, a it's good, a spring a good straight cover straightforward of, version of, of, Sweet, of Sweet Jane. Jane. He sounds uh, good singing it. Cold, stand on the corner, yeah, you know, suitcase in my hand, right, right. And he uh, he puts a little more mojo on it than Lou Reed does. Character, he puts more, yeah, a little more character in it, right? You not know, so loose. deadpan. He's not good, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, Sweet Jane's, you know, there's uh, we've heard it a thousand times. It wasn't in fact there was in the, in Austin in. I think it, maybe it was the 80s. They did a or they did a Sweet Jane festival where they had bands that everybody would just come. Oh, really? And play Sweet oh, Jane. Nice. I think Sterling Morrison from the Velvets lived in Austin, so that was a you know something that was. What was the band with the girl singer that did a really good slow version of it? That was uh, really Cowboy popular. Junkies. Cowboy Junkies. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good everything they did was slow. I think. Yes. Yes. Uh, Hence so. the Junkies part of the name. All right. So then, and so now we get the song number two, which to me really should have been the first song on the record because this it's song, a great. This is, this is song. like as if this is this song to me is like as if there was this great, I'd say, Led Zeppelin song that 
never got popular because it's such a great right. rock and, you and roll hear, song. And you go, where did this song come you from? Go, this could have been on. Why have I never? Right, Mama's Little Mama's Jewel. Jewel. That's what I thought when the oh first time I, I heard it, which is when you brought the record to me, and I said, all right, let's listen to it. Yeah. And Mama's Little Jewel, man, it's great. It's, it's got a riff. It. Ian Hunter and Peter Watts, and uh, yeah, and, and it's cool. The beginning of it's cool because what is, what is the what are they doing at the beginning? It's they're starting some other song. A different yeah, oh, song. they're doing that false intro thing. Oh, false, do, 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 do it again, right. do it again. And I love it. He says, no, don't stop. Carry on. I love. He says, carry on, and then <laughs> and they start. I, that the may song. have just been. Screwing around, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but it's, it's such a ooh. great song, and yeah, it really could have been the opener. Of and it. speaking of misogynistic, oh, lurid. Yes, the lyrics are very lurid. lurid. <laughs> but he meant again. Ian manages to put like a little wry spin on it. He so does. So he d- it you doesn't don't take bother it too you seriously. Exactly. You, exactly. You don't. You don't think. Oh, Ian Hunter's doing this, right? You think he's commenting on rock and roll right. life. And, and it's campy, and, and, be- and it ends up camp- being campy, it right? Does. Which, which, yeah, if he's into the whole glam, uh, glam thing and everything, it's like Mama's little jewel just out of school, fresh, fresh from, from the, the nuns, nuns who that made, made you. you. Don't oh, now. Here's the weird thing. Don't know why, but I'm going to try to re-incelibate you because to re-incelibate <laughs> would be to make a virgin again. Re-incelibate. But it could be a double negative, so it yeah, could be, yeah. I, whatever he's saying, it, you get the point. He, I don't no. think you need to overthink that. No, he's definitely ta- not talking about it's, not uh, having sex with No, the right, tool. right. But very So this record could be play. sort of characterized as sex <clears throat> and sad sadness. Yes, like, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Because right. there's just a lot of songs about... Uh, um, getting it on, right? Um, but, and but there's a cool part where he says, "Wearing my Scorpio <coughs> Scorpio faces when I right. come in the midnight sun." Well, when I come in the midnight sun, it's well, like it's not hard to figure out, right? That's a double. But the um, the demo version, and he says, "There's a demo version on the extended tracks, worth checking out." By okay, the way, right. on you know, however you want to check it out. Yeah, he says, "When I come in the noonday sun." So oh. some and they slowed it way down He's coming from the all, demo. All, all day, all what what day. about the thing about the um, when I catch you with my watering gun? Is that what he says? <laughs> because there's the, the, the when I catch when um, laugh in the evening when I catch you with my and it sounds like the word watering gun. Right. God knows. I mean, I don't even want to think about that analogy <laughs> going for there. I I, I think uh, that's what I got too. That's what I thought. He yeah, was saying, so, um, yeah, but. And then he's infatuated with this young lady. To, right. uh, even though he jewel. scolds her a little bit, he says, you know, uh, true, when I hold you near, well, I'm caught. Even when I'm on the road, when I'm uh, wearing my Scorpio faces and I come in the midnight sun. So, yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's um, a bad guy, but he's uh, um, smitten with this young uh, right. young thing, which but, was more acceptable in the early seventies. Of course, of course, there was a, tons of Terrible, songs about it, and also tons of actual, bad stuff going on. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, it was a different time. That's what. <laughs> yeah, it sure was because they'd be in jail now. Exactly. Which, right, they, some of our heroes be. would be in jail. <laughs> and they yes, should be. they would be. Uh, and then we go to track three, which is the the song. It just goes, and I love the song. It goes right, right into in, it. All yeah. of a sudden, it goes into all the yeah. young dudes, written by David Bowie. 
Uh, we already said it was, uh, um, he wrote it for them. Yeah, specifically for this band. And it's funny, uh, the drummer in, uh, in uh, Rolling Stone had this as the top 500 songs ever, yeah. and the drummer Dale Griffin is quoted uh, in uh, saying, I'm thinking, he wants to give us that? He must be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Why is That's he love, us? man. Yeah, yeah he loved the band. He wanted the band to succeed. And, uh, and uh, Ian and Hunter, this is, you know, like 72, Bowie is, is not... Gig- I mean, he's Ziggy. Ziggy's comes out in '72, right? Well, uh, Ziggy came out soon after this. Ziggy, right, he was okay. doing. He was working on Ziggy during this, right. but he, so he did Hunky Dory. Hunky Dory, is, right? Yeah, sure. right. Which and we've already Man done. the World, and then Space Oddity before that. But he wasn't. Right. A, he wasn't the the gigantic right. star that Ziggy sort of turned him into. Right. Exa- exactly. Exactly. But I guess everyone kind of must have known. And yeah, uh, sure. And yeah, I mean, how could you deny it? It can't be denied. But did you know that Ian Hunter came up with the idea at the end when the like when he's talking, he says, "Hey, you with the glasses and everything." <laughs> he said that was actually from an encounter he had with a heckler at the Rainbow, <laughs> and he was like calling out some guy, "Hey, you with the glasses." So that was Ian's I idea. Want you, to, to I want you in that. the front now. Right. To throw that uh, throw that in there. You're his the friends. End. Bring him down because I want him. <laughs> <laughs> I want him right here. Bring him. Come on. Um, I wanted to do this for years. Ha ha. There you go. How did it feel? So I guess he probably smacks the guy or kicks him or something. Yes, yes. That's what he said. He did. And he he, he wanted to throw his beer on him or something like yeah, that. And, yeah. uh, I don't know if he actually did that, but he said he wanted to. But this song, I got to say, is from a Bowie perspective. Uh, it also reminds me of a, a little bit of uh, Beauty Brothers. There's a little bit of that same feeling, uh, like the, the that apocalyptic feeling. Right, that right, exactly. Yeah, there is definitely right, and um, um, and um, there was one. one well, the, line, news, the, the news that they're carrying is the same news as five years, exactly. Which is right, the end the of the news, world, right, right. But but see, a lot of people ended up interpreting as the news, like, oh, this is the new oh, yeah, kid. these kids out, are right. coming, these glam, crazy glam kids right. are coming, which is not what he meant. But one one line always really resonated with me personally. The song when he says. And my brother's back home with his Beatles, Beatles and his, and his stones. stones. He we, we never got off on that revolution, revolution stuff. stuff. What a drag. Too many snags. And it reminded me, because I was the same way. My older sister would listen. I, I didn't. She would listen to the Beatles and yeah. the Stones and that. And I was. And I got into punk rock. So right. I just didn't. It's like later, I appreciate. I right. learned to appreciate well, all remember, that. Remember, because the Beatles had only been broken up for like two years right, at this point. Right, and exactly. the Stones are still around. Right, But right. It, they're still associated with that previous exactly. there's a break the glam yeah. thing was a break exactly, from exactly. those guys and uh yeah and you also have to just mention the the musicality of the song it's so awesome like the uh, descent like the classic it's, bowie descending chords and the yeah, way the uh yeah. in between the choruses when he throws in those extra two parts Dun, 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 oh yeah, right, right, dun. right. Which like I, most people wouldn't do that. They wouldn't okay. throw in that extra, and it makes it so much I'm better. Gonna, I'm gonna say that I bet that's Mick Ronson because if you think he did the arrangements on Transformer, right? And um, there's some of that thing on Transformers. Although Bowie was around for Transformers, well, right? So right. Those, it, those but guys it's were just great. Trans- it's like not not normal. Like a regular normal songwriter wouldn't throw no. that extra part uh-huh. in. He'd say, "Oh, you don't need that." No. But it's like, and that's what makes it like special. It does. It against them. It's something else. Um, all right, so that's classic Bowie and. Um, this I think is a good time. We'll uh, take a little break, all right, and we will up. come back. All right, very and good. Do, uh, the rest of all the young dudes, the record by Mato Hooper. It's nice to be back in Los Angeles. We really mean that. 
Uh, actually, we don't mean it at all. It's a drag to be back in Los Angeles. But one must go to these places in the course of one's business. <coughs> no, it's all right. Uh, we'd like to do it number for you. Uh, call all the young dudes. Got me high. That's Barry Stock. That's Rob Elba. And we're talking about Mata Hoople's All the Young Dudes. All the Young Dudes. Their 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 comeback or whatever. Well, Not their well, comeback. Yeah, yeah, they never. <laughs> there was. They were right. They were. It's just their breakout. Their their breakout their record. record. That's it. Yes. And uh, it's a record about. Um, this is one of those records that's about characters, the, especially the Ian Hunter songs. He's writing about specific characters. Right. Um, and so Mama's Little Jewel, he's writing about uh, this young lady that he has <laughs> infatuated with who's right. uh, out of Catholic school. And then uh, we, he, there's a, you know, there's a two, basically two covers. There's uh, uh, Sweet, Sweet Jane. Jane and then All the Young Dudes. And then the next Ian Hunter we song is Sucker, Sucker <laughs> which is about a, 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 a sadist. Right. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. But he, and he throws in a, a little uh, double entendre because he oh, yeah. said that she's a sucker for falling for his like she's a sucker because she's falling for, for his, his tales and yeah. his bullshit exactly yeah. right. But also she's see she likes to get tied up and <laughs> right. and uh, and I think that um, you know he says hi there your friendly neighborhood sadist want to take you for a ride come on tell me about the nights that I make you cry and this is the line. Two tiny purple hands crawling out across the floor. All I could hear was a voice, give me more, more, more. Tiny purple hands. So <laughs> right. there's one way the hands get purple. Yep. That's yep, because right. if they're in cuffs or, or they're tied up. And I'm like, but Man. again, the way he, his delivery and everything makes it like it's not like too brutal or anything. It's it just, makes uh, it acceptable. He normalizes the this yeah, violent behavior right. of this, you know. <laughs> And uh, the the music, it's just a really good song, too. It's a good song. And it Bowie's, is. I feel like Bowie's stamp is really, that's, do you know, that's Bowie playing sax on this. Bowie's yeah. playing sax yeah, on this. Yeah, I think there's there any sax on the record is Bowie's. Right. And I should, one thing I wanted to mention about this record is the production is that every song is pretty much the same. And it's like, it's almost as if our friend Rat mixed it. Because there's one guitar, <laughs> one guitar all the way on the left. And there's one guitar all the way on the right. Oh, okay. And then the bass, drums, and vocals are right down the middle. I don't and notice. See, I don't notice stuff like that. Because I would listen to it on notice. headphones oh, a lot. okay, yeah. okay. And I was saying, man, and every... I was like, okay, next song. Oh, there we go. <laughs> In fact, there, when Mick Ralphs left and went to join Bad Company, um, the, the guitar player who took over for him, whose nickname was Ariel Bender and... Unfortunately, I can't remember the guy's actual name, but right, yeah, his nickname was Ariel, Ariel Bender, Bender because right. he was he bent the he bent the antenna on a car, right, right. <laughs> so he became, <laughs> Ariel, became Bender. Ariel Bender, and he there's a little documentary. He took a lot of um, he took some 16 millimeter or eight millimeter films of them on the tour 74 tour, I guess. Oh wow! And he was talking. He was complaining about the production on this record, uh, and he said, you know, Bowie did sort of a and Bowie's production is, it is, um, 
ragged, but it's ragged in a good way. Right. So if you listen to the record before this, who was which was produced by Guy Stevens, who went on to produce London Calling by The Clash. Oh, wow. And then you listen to the record after this, which is uh, Mott. Mott. It's got a much more polished right. sound. This is not a polished. Now, well, Bowie, I feel like, was more uh, more about the song and yeah. the performance. Yeah, as so exactly. much of the right. Yeah, the and the recording. drums on this are actually recorded in a way that sound a little bit dated. They've got they sound almost like '60s drums. They sound the same as the drums on Ziggy, where they've got this um, funny mid-rangey sound that drums oh, really? nobody ever does anymore. Yeah, uh, there's okay. three records that have that drum sound that I know of. Court of the Crimson King, <laughs> Ziggy Stardust, and then this record. It's got that same sound. And I'm wondering, you know, is it the studio? Is it the mics or right. whatever? But anyway, that's my technical geek uh, commentary. <laughs> Barry but, Stocks, uh, uh, technical corner. But um, God help the woman who's late for work. I get a green light flashing red like a superstar, brass town queen whose crown I bled. Now, I just ran out of aspirin for an aching head, so I guess I'll just have to do it just one more time instead. Now, that's a mishmash of <laughs> right. of what? Right. <laughs> but you know what? It's still it's great because the Matahupa lyrics, even though a lot of them are sort of like raunchy in a way, but they're still a step above the normal like it's rock not, and roll yeah, it's just not, lyrics. Right. It's yeah. not, um, they definitely are. There's more poetry. There's more poetry to that. It's not like, um, I'm trying to think of an 80s band that's like... Uh, oh, bad Company. Bad, or, yeah, <laughs> right. Bad Company where it's just about, hey, you know, yeah. hey, hey, baby. I feel like making love. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is, there's always a tongue-in-cheek aspect and they realize right, exactly. that they're being, that there's a, that they're being, um, that they're not Big rock stars, right, right, <laughs> and there's more cleverness. There's just a little more cleverness, in fact, which, the, is, I, I which think, is, uh, um, is not in there in a lot of other uh, just more like rock stuff. So we move rock. we move from the song about the sadist oh, to, to jerk <laughs> jerk and crocus, which is a song about <laughs> apparently about um, a woman who is rough, right, right in the sack. <laughs> this yeah, this must be. I'm thinking this is <laughs> this probably is a this is a person and. They, she was given this name, yes. Jerk and Crocus. Yes. And maybe more than one of them experienced. Like, but you know what? But the lyrics are still really clever. They are. So it's sort of um, old, it old man Tyler had a crash in his car down on the Fortune Highway. Doctors said it was his cruel, sick heart. Didn't, Didn't go, go to, to church, church on, on Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Oh, your pace is going to knock you dead. Out of the race, you got time to spare. Jerk and Crocus is the cause of the cross you bear. Didn't you wish you were there? <laughs> so the the critical line is... Um, uh, oh, Jerk and Crocus didn't kill me, but she sure came near. Uh, she, she's a nads puller. A nads I know, puller. I know what she wants. A judo hold on, on a, a black, black man's, man's balls. <laughs> and it's just... Oh, my God. So... But this, again, it's saved. It's it's lurid and everything. But it it's just but it's saved in the same. It's by in, the delivery. You know it's lurid in the same way that a Lou Reed song, where he's talking about someone who's it's. it's oh yeah, because it's like over the top. It's like over the top, and it is, it's just yeah. and it's and it's and it's matter of fact, and uh, it's it's just well done. So you appreciate it, even that. There's an art to it that <laughs> yeah, is exactly not, that exactly is head and shoulders above. 
just bullshit rock and roll right. lyrics. And, about it, and sex. I think it's things like this that made them uh, why so many like other uh, oh, people sure. love them, and they were a cult band and everything. Because obviously, a lot of this isn't mainstream. Something that's going to fly in the mainstream. No, but it's something that people that like clever things a little different in their rock and roll are going to are going to really they're going to they're going to be attracted they're gonna to dig it. Plus, this. it was you know it was seventy two. It was before punk rock. The only other you know that I can think of an analogy there. There was a. Um, there's a band called the Pink Fairies that did. Oh yeah, yeah, the yeah. Pink Fairies were great. And yeah, their record uh, "Kings of Oblivion" has sort of some of the same um, subject matter and um, sort of the same feel. Right. And it's also presages a lot of the sounds of uh, punk rock. Yeah. In their yeah. A too. lot of this, I look at it as as punk rock before there was actually punk. Yeah. Rock. Uh, all right, so we go. That's the end of side one. Now we go to side two, and the first song on side two is "One of the Boys." One of the boys, and this is about a character. Yes, it is, and uh, this is uh, it was now written this by is Hunter about and a, Ralphs. Yeah, but this is about a guy who wants to be a, is a rock star, and he doesn't have the the sense of irony. Right, exactly. Yeah, he's singing about yeah, they, exactly. They are, and um, and. Uh, this song is a little. It has a really cool musical opening. It very, does. Um, it's a little more musical, and then it. But then it just turns into a, a, a really good rocker. But yeah, I think it sort of plays on the, on the. Yeah, like you said, the rock star guy with the long hair. Yeah, the long hair dude, and he's still. But he's still one of the boys. One yeah. of the boys. You well, know? he says even alludes to the, um, the fact that he has. I'm one of the boys. One of the boys. I'm only human, so I ain't got no choice. And I know it, yeah, yeah, I know it all right. So this guy is, um, he's make he's a rock star behaving guy. Right. And he has no control over it, but he knows he has no control over it, so he kind of has an excuse. He's making an excuse for himself. Right. <laughs> but he's also kind of an idiot, and you can tell he's he has, oh, he yeah, has yeah, yeah. no sense of irony, whereas, whereas Ian Hunter has the sense of irony, but he's singing about this character. In this I'm, song, yep. the one of the boys guy has no sense no, of irony. I borrowed Gypsy's Gibson just to show them, borrow the you know, expensive guitar, and right. now I'm a rock and roll star. I don't want to know them. So now that he's a star, right. it's like, oh, <laughs> those guys, if they come yes. if they come around backstage, don't, yep. you know, the, let's not let them in anymore. Like uh, and there are our real friend. B- people exist like that. Our friend Billy Joel, we discussed uh, oh, the right, story right, about right, yeah. the drummer showed up and there was uh he wanted to, Billy Joel had a plane and the drummer who was the guy who the one holdover from the old band? Yeah, and the guy that was with him from the beginning, and that was yeah. his brother, and that and that was and his. The, he was going to get on the plane, and they said, uh, nope. they get, "No, uh, Mr. Joel is just going to fly on the plane by himself." Yeah, right. And so he had to take the <laughs> bus because, well, I guess Billy Joel's an asshole. And then, well, he was. And then, did you did you see in that documentary the way he found out when he wasn't in the band oh. anymore at all was because oh. he asked that Billy Joel was getting married again for like the fourth oh time or God. something, and he said to the keyboard player, he said, oh, "I guess we're not getting invited to the wedding." And the keyboard yeah, player said, "Well, I'm invited." Yeah. <laughs> so that was that. that was yeah, that. people are people suck. And, and, um, and this is about a guy that would, yeah, this is about a guy that would behave that way. And right. I'm sure that yeah, they, yeah. I'm sure that Martha Hoople on the road ran into people who take themselves, took themselves, who actually believed the rock and roll. Myth. Right. Right. Yeah. And definitely. that's, that's, and that's what we're about is that, is we, most of the records we are going to review are by people who at least see through the facade yeah, of, hope, right. of rock yeah. and roll. And that right. there's a certain understanding that, right. 
you know, this is all a, this is sort of a laugh, yeah. but it can be very moving. That's but why we're eh. probably not going to do Journey, you know. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> like we're going to, with apologies to uh, some of our <laughs> to friends. Tony Landa. Tony, <laughs> sorry. Tony. Um, uh, all right, you have now, to pick something else. Let's go into, now this is, to me, one of the strangest songs on this Spinal record. Spinal Tap. Seven. This, I swear Soft. to God. Well, I think Spinal Tap is modeled after Mott. Some of their behaviors. Oh, it's modeled, modeled after Mott the Vupal, yes. Sure. Especially the good. look. That's Susan good. I never watching. thought of that. Susan and I were watching. A David St. Hubbins. Yeah, is. right. We were, and 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 uh, 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 the bass player, uh, uh, Derek Smalls. Yeah, and we were watching. We were watching some live footage. And I was like, oh, this is visually, this is Spinal Tap. That's now great. musically, they're, they're way better than Spinal Tap. Right, right. But the look, you know. Yeah. Well, this song, Soft Ground, was written by the organist, Verdon Allen. Yes. And the soon-to-be ex-organist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this was the last record that he played on. And he sings this song. And this definitely has a different vibe than anything else on this record. It's like, it reminds me of almost like a John Entwistle song. Yes. In the Proggy. In- it's a little prog. It is. Um, but he's he says something. He's sort of... Um, funny because he's making fun of English people who are trying to give him advice and tell him what he should be doing. And he says, you know, I'm walking on soft ground, which means that, you know, basically they're, they're, these are these flabby, horrible people who don't <laughs> have, have no business telling right. me what to do. Um, I, so, but it is, it is, and it's sung in this sort of mock serious tone. Yes, right, I'm, I'm right. Sh- and uh, which is kind of strange, and it's funny. At first, I wasn't even sure. I was thinking, "Is that Ian Hunter?" And then I had to look it up no, and say, no. "Oh no, no, it's not him." But I'll tell you what. Honestly, the most appealing thing about the song to me is David Bowie's backup. You can hear course. his backup. Yeah. Well, like, there's a uh, there's a uh, on Electric Ladyland. There's a No Redding song. Uh, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, because Jimi Hendrix playing on it, you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, no. Nah. And and it's funny. So I read basically Burden Allen left the band soon after because Ian Hunter wasn't too keen on doing his songs and he wanted right. more of his songs in there. And yeah, he was like, no, nah, I don't think so. Yeah, no. So that's enough of that. And then we go into of, another right. song written and sung by another guy in the band, right. Mick Rowell. That's right. Ready for Love. Who's a lot wealthier than Ian Hunter and everybody right yeah, now. Yeah, that's right. Right. Uh, yeah. So he sings this, and it's funny. This is a perfect example. I mean, it's a fine song. It's okay. I, I can't I can't hear it without hearing the Bad Company version. Oh, yeah. You know? Sure. Yeah. And, and Mick Ralphs technically has a good voice, a he good does. rock he voice. He actually sings it fine. He sings it fine. He's got a good voice, but it's just not Ian Hunter, you know? And it's especially not. in this song, you notice it... Um, um, because uh, you know, it's the, the thing is they may have, and especially when uh, Paul Rogers, of course, does it. Uh, and, yeah. uh, he's got this like right. silky rock voice, but I just, I never, it, it never did anything for me. Like Ian no. Hunter, I love his voice so much yeah. better than than that. You know, yeah. So the, this and these are side two songs, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? It's like okay, yeah, well, that's gonna, you know when you're you know when they're mixing, like oh well, this is going to go on side two, right? Um, and side two is slower than. Than side one, yeah. yeah. Uh, in general, uh, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So the lyrics on this one, you know, there's not a lot. If you know the, you know, the Bad Company song, it's just straight up. It could be uh, what's that? What's the Bon Jovi song uh, about being on the road? Uh, uh, oh, uh, uh, um, <laughs> Wanted Dead or Alive. Want, yeah, yeah. It's got that kind of that feel. Don't let go. You know, I'm ready for you. Not much irony in this song. No, that's the thing. Now, maybe that's why Mick 
wanted, you know, he wanted to get out. He probably just wanted to make some, you know, play in a bigger rock band and make right, some, right, make right. bang. Which he did, and I mean, he did. God bless him. And uh, and it's weird. It's got the second part. It's got "Ready for Love" and "Afterlights." I guess is the whole second part of the song. Right. It's an instrumental, which is kind of cool. I mean, it's a cool it little is. instrumental outro, yeah. and it is. And it is pretty, but it's very classic. This song is very classic rock. To very me. classic rock. Which, which I feel like Matahupol. One thing I like about them is that they're not quite classic rock. No. They have that. They have that quirky edge to it. That it does. that's what that's what's appealing for me. And I'm guessing that. that's the Ian Hunter and uh, 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 um, uh, aspect. Because yeah, it. <clears throat> this song is not one that I'm gonna go back to. Uh, Either by Bad Company or or by the no, Mata no, version. Uh, no, definitely it's, not. It's just sort of predictable. It is. And it's, uh, it's fine. And then we get to the final song the on the record. The final song, Sea Diver, which this is a classic uh, Ian Hunter thing, which he ended up doing a lot, is a ballad. He writes these ballads. He does. And he's really good at writing them and doing them. And the thing is, these songs could so easily be like overly sentimental or right. sappy yeah. but there's just something about yeah. the way he does them and he it's delivers them and he's yeah yeah it ends up being bitter this is a very bittersweet it and then it's got a triumphant little uh, little bit and to I it don't know and it's really pretty the it's fact a pretty that he song. mentions um i see um oh lord i wish i could escape this iron well um iron iron veil right it says iron veil right uh, yeah. I, right and i wondered if there was um because he says, "Ride on, my son." I wonder if there's a motorcycle death thing with this song. I was, oh, I don't know. Um, I don't really know. I don't know if any, there's any commentary. But it's very, yeah, it's just pretty. It's a, it's a mostly a, a piano type song, and it's, um, it's very poetic. He says, "On morning shadows, you were ill spent. It's time you said, or is it time you, you went? went? Yeah, I tried so hard to leave you. I tried to sleep the hours you keep." Oh Lord, I wish I could escape, escape this iron, iron veil. veil. Yeah, and he yeah. says, "Right on, right on, my, my son. son. Right on until you fall. Until you fail. Until you fail. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of like it's like bittersweet. It's very bittersweet. Something comes and something goes, and something dies before it grows. And I'm like a sea diver who's lost in space. Sweet said His Grace. Oh Lord, I wish I could escape this iron veil. Um, the iron veil is also seems like sort of medieval." You know the right, the right. Um, <coughs> medieval torture device, <laughs> um, and and that's how the record closes. It's yeah, a, it's and a, it's really and uh, uh, Mick Ronson did the uh, did the string arrangement oh, on yeah. this, and he did the spring. Mick Ronson, brass. unsung hero oh, of rock and yeah. roll. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to come up again on, on uh, other yeah. records we do. And yeah, this song really grew on me. It's it's short. It's only th- it's it less than three minutes, yeah. and it's just really pretty great song. But yeah, it's something that. Ian Hunter definitely uh, came back to a lot later on. Um, he had that song, I Wish I Was Your Mother, which is yeah, another. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> but he, he's good at that. He's really good at that. At, like, just he's whipping good out at that, these, and he's like, good um, and on the next album, which where he has, yeah, uh, uh, um, all the way from Memphis and uh, you know, Honolulu Boogie. He's got these, um, and he had a, an Akeen take on America as well. He's good as an observer of America and as a foreigner seeing like uh, 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 what things are like here at Cleveland, Cleveland Rocks. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's which right. they yeah. said that they were more, they bent crowds in Cleveland. The glam thing, the coast was a little bit slower 
to pick up on the glam thing than the Midwest. Oh, really? So when so they, <laughs> they, would go, they went to Cleveland, the people were like, yeah. So they'd say, man, Cleveland rocks. Cleveland That's awesome. rocks. That's Cleveland great. Rocks. And it does. Cleveland does rock. It, <laughs> we it does. We established that. We were talking about that just earlier. Yeah. Yeah, we were. <laughs> Uh, all right, so that's it. That's uh, Mata Hoople, all the young dudes. Um, maybe something a little that um, not as many people have heard, but definitely uh, you would have. Worth a lot of people have heard more. probably the song, but oh, maybe, all the young dudes, the song, uh, but maybe yeah. not the album. And uh, no. um, it's well worth a listen as our, you know, Mata Hoople's uh, oeuvre in general yes, is uh, absolutely very influential. And Mick Jones of the Clash was president of, of the, the fan club, right? The Mata Hoople fan club. club so that gives awesome. you some <laughs> idea of how Guy Stevens, who produced their third record, uh, um, Brain Capers, ended up producing London, London Calling, Calling and right. basically died. So he died young. Uh, oh, really? Uh, yeah, he did. He, Guy uh, Stevens, he was a nutcase. Oh, and but a good nutcase, you yeah. know, you know those. But yeah. he live fast, <laughs> die do. young. We know, man, and uh, uh, we do. <laughs> so uh, what's 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 happening next Thursday? Next Thursday, next week's going to be exciting. Big, we have a guest star. I we believe. have another. Yes, we have a guest. Uh, we're doing uh, Gang of Four's Entertainment. Gang it's of not Four's made by Grape Men. Debut Gang of Four's very. Um, so say it's influential as understates. It, it is yeah. entertainment. Uh, Gang of Four. It's sort of it. It, it, it was a, a it's a with, post-punk uh, monument. It is, and it's a break with it, just like Metal Box. It was a break with everything that had happened in a way that was sort of definitive. Like, oh, that's all that stuff's dead now, right? <laughs> and this and it's like, oh, this is punk rock too, but this is totally different totally than the other right. punk rock. Shards yeah. of yeah, metal get. Guitar and so we're doing that record, and our guest next week, who we're going to be talking to, is Hugo Burnham, the man that the drummer for Gang of Four, right. the drummer that played on that record and yeah. played on the, their uh, all their great records. Yeah, and uh, he's going to be on our podcast, which and is we're amazing. Really our first, uh, our first uh, <laughs> uh, podcast guest who has a uh, uh, um, claim to fame. Yeah, and apparently, yeah. Uh, uh, is apparently. Uh, Pretty a good guy, and I, I'll explain. I'll, I'll wait till next week. I'll explain yeah, our little work connection. Out the technical how we have a too. little connection. Oh yeah, that's why we got to figure out because he's not. He's actually he's not in England now. He lives in New England. Right. He lives up in Boston. But we're gonna uh, we're gonna Skype him in or phone him in, and we'll figure out. We'll get it all worked out. So that's next week. Um, so thanks a lot for listening. This is that record got me high. That's Rob Elba. That's Barry Stock. Don't forget to, uh, you know, subscribe to whatever you listen to us on. Subscribe, you know, so yeah, you're a subscriber. ITunes, and, and, uh, SoundCloud. And there's a bunch of podcasts. Review it. Write a review and, you know. Tell us we suck. Tell us we're great. Yeah, Give us some ahead. commentary. And, we dare uh, you. <laughs> and or sponsor us if you have a if you have a business and you would like say hey these yeah. guys uh, are, are uh, entertaining and I'd like to right. uh, I have money be mentioned in their I show. I just want to throw away. That's right. <laughs> you can throw away your money on us, <laughs> and we'll br- bring up your name. There's the worse show. things you could do with your money. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye.